Hello, my name's Tom Boone. And I'm Joanna Bailey. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Simple Flying Podcast, where we'll give you the lowdown on the latest news from the world of commercial aviation. Here's what we have for you this week. Coming up today, I'll see why Comair's in trouble, while Tom takes a look at what's going on with Aeristana. Joe will update us on the situation with the PW4000 Boeing 777s, while I look at Lufthansa's Airbus A340-600 return. Finally, I'll recap the latest with the ongoing Dreamliner delivery pause. So now you know what's in store, let's get on with the show. And Joe, tell me what's happening with Comair? Why are they in trouble? Well, it's been a bit of a weekend for South African um, aviation, or South, South African airlines, should I say, Comair, mm. um, because SACA, the South African Civil Aviation Authority, um, went ahead and suspended their air operator certificate for 24 hours. Um, you know, of course, this led to the grounding of aircraft, lots of flights cancelled, a bit of chaos going on at lots of South African airports. Um, and mm. if you're not aware of who Comair is, I know you are, Tom, but just for the benefit of our listeners, these these guys um, run the British Airways services in South Africa, um, and they've got an airline called Kalula, which is their budget airline. Um, oh, that's the one with the crazy livery, isn't it? That says the pilots yes. here, here are the flaps. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> put the fuel here. It's, it's a great livery. I love that plane. Um, but yes, mm. so according to Saka, it was it was a bit of a sudden decision, but it was prompted by an investigation into a series of safety incidents involving Comair aircraft. Um, and apparently over the last month, Saka says that Comair's airlines experienced several incidents ranging from engine malfunctions to engine failures and landing gear malfunctions. Um mm. And this suspension of the AOC was to allow um, Comair a little bit of time to put some of these things right. Um, so Saka had been doing an investigation into Comair's quality control management and its safety management and had found at least four infractions. So three... Okay of these four infractions were what's called level one findings, which means it poses an immediate risk and must be rectified immediately. And the other really? one was a level two finding, which means, you know, it's it's a problem, but it's, they've got up to seven days to sort it out. Um, so it gave Comair until Sunday morning to make the required changes, but clearly Comair did not achieve that because on Sunday, Saka removed the airline's air operator certificate for an indefinite period. Um, so originally it was 24 hours. Now it's indefinitely. Um, Comair apparently said that they'd been working through the night to provide the relevant documentation to Saka and that they'd mm. reviewed their policy systems and procedures um, but unfortunately, no, they didn't meet the deadline. And at the moment, you know, it's all very kind of uncertain how long the airline will be grounded. Um, but that's yeah. all of British Airways services in South Africa and all of Kalula's services. Um, and actually, altogether, the loss of the Comair flights has taken around 40 percent of air travel capacity out of the market. So it's quite a significant oh, wow. Yeah, quite a significant loss, um, and it's going to cause a bit of chaos, I would say, in the in the South African travel market until they can get it rectified. Um, and we don't really know how long that's going to be. Yeah, I can imagine. Well, um, fingers crossed for them to sort it out smoothly, especially so the uh, British Airways seven three seven Maxes can get back in the sky. Mm -hmm, absolutely, <laughs> I love the wingtips on them. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I wanted to talk about an airline in Asia today, 
Um, and actually, you know, an airline group, and that's the Aristana group of Kazakhstan. And, you know, I think any regular listener will know that I'm quite fond of the airline. I find it fascinating. It's my favorite smaller airline. Um, but basically, they've kind of been showing that, you know, COVID is a thing we can get over in terms of airlines. Um, they actually set a record number of passengers for 2021, um, which I think is incredible. You know, they've they um, haven't had their highest profit in the last five years, but they've returned to profit with a sort of sizable profit of 36.1 million US dollars. Wow. Um, so, you know, it, it, it seems fairly impressive. Um, I think the key part of their, their sort of bounce back was their low-cost carrier, Fly Aristan, which they launched in mid-2019. Obviously, 2019 wasn't a full year of operations and then 2020 wasn't a proper year of operations so it's really only just had its first normal year of operations and um you know the the airline group as a whole aristana and fly aristana they carried 6.6 million passengers between them but almost half of these so 3.1 million traveled with fly aristana um so that kind of says two things firstly it's like wow this fly Ariston has really established itself mm. um but you know there's also the the whole point of i don't know if this is the case because um it's perhaps possible that some um Aristana passengers have moved to um fly Ariston, but if Aristana's numbers would increase to numbers that we've seen before you know in 2018 they carried 5.12 uh, million passengers. If Aristana's numbers rise, even if Fly Aristana's don't rise, the the number of passengers is keep going to keep going up and up and up. Mm. Um, and obviously, Fly Aristana is still in a period of growth, so um, it's definitely going to be an interesting one to watch. And um, it is. It, I find it fascinating because you know the airline had this amazing 2022, uh, 2021. Sorry, but it's already had a bit of a headache for. 2021. So right at the start of the year, um, we obviously had um, the troubles in Kazakhstan, which saw the airline have to suspend its operations for, um, it only ended up being about a week in the end. And, um, you know, the the company said it was definitely a V-shaped event. So what this meant was that, you know, the, it got very bad very quickly, but then it recovered at an equal rate. So it got very uh, much better very quickly. Um, you know, with COVID-19, we saw an L shape where it just went straight down and stayed there, Um, even though they were hoping for a V or maybe a U. Um, It's interesting, though, because they're also now seeing the impact of the challenges in Ukraine. Um, Firstly, they had to stop flying to Ukraine while the no-fly zone um, for commercial aircraft is in, or while the airspace remains closed. Um, but, you know, they've now also had to stop flying to uh, Russia because their aircraft can't be insured for Russia. So mm. that means, firstly, that flights direct to Russia can't operate. Um, thankfully, flights to Europe, which would usually route through Russia, can still operate. But they've got to fly south of Russia and Ukraine now, mm. which adds a sort of significant amount of time. Because if you look at the Grand Circle route, which is the essentially the shortest point between two places... That takes the flights, say, from um, Nur Sultan to Frankfurt. It would take it directly over Moscow and then through Belarusian airspace. And already mm-hmm. since the beginning of March, it's been avoiding Belarus. And now it's uh, also having to avoid Russia. Um, but, you know, it's 
very interesting to see where the airline's going. Um, what I would say is if you are interested to hear more, I am going to be speaking with the airline's CEO, Peter Foster, as part of um, the, our webinar series, which I've hijacked from Joe. Um, <laughs> so, um, you know, I probably shouldn't use that word in an aviation sense. Um, but, um, you know, I've stolen Joe's webinar series and Next Monday, um, so the Monday coming as you're listening to this, I'm going to be speaking to Peter Foster on our YouTube channel live. So um, if you're interested, uh, watch out for some marketing on the website for that and be sure to come along. Mm, please do. It's Tom's first webinar. So please uh, show him some support Scary. and uh, hop along and join in with the comments and uh, hopefully enjoy a really nice good conversation because uh, Peter's a great chap and, and I'm excited. It's to Lovely. I, I'm always really enjoying speaking to him so i think uh, i'm looking forward to that brilliant can't wait tom good luck with that okay so i wanted to um i'm trying very hard to stay away from russia today because we did talk about it a lot last week and, uh, and i've you already know, just spoken about it now <laughs> exactly and you know it is kind of all the news at the moment but there's other important stuff going on as well so mm. um, i wanted to look back at the pratt and whitney 4000 powered triple sevens um and see where we're going with that because that's actually there's been some really big news on that um, mm -hmm. So if you remember back, um, I think it was back um, at the beginning of 2021, a United Airlines Boeing 777-200 um, had a rather spectacular uncontained engine failure shortly after leaving Denver. Um, it I was do remember it because it was on a weekend, I think, and I was like, you know, I don't work weekends, but this is such a major story. I'm going to turn mm. my computer on. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. So it was on its way to Honolulu, and it only really just left Denver um, when the engine um, had an uncontained failure. And the debris from this rained down in a, a an area about a mile long near Broomfield mm. in Colorado. Um, you know, and there was some really sort of spectacular images of bits of engine in people's gardens. Thankfully, nobody was hurt. Um, it could have been a lot worse. Um, but the issue here was this this wasn't the first. Other engine incidents had already occurred on other aircraft with that same engine um, over the last sort of five or six years, I think it was. So there were two other United Airlines flights, a Korean Air flight, and literally about three months previously, there'd been a Japan Airlines flight that had an uncontained engine failure. So I remember, um, yeah. Yeah, it was all, all signals were pointing to there being a major issue that needed to be resolved here. Um, and actually, United Airlines was the first to take action on this. They took the unusual decision to ground their own fleet. Um, and shortly after that, Boeing and the FAA also recommended grounding the aircraft um, until they figured out what was going on. So it only affected mm. some 777s, only the ones with these particular engines. Um, and they're and it was specifically. Only like a couple of. Uh, it was only a couple of um, carriers, wasn't it? It wasn't a yeah. widespread thing. Well, it was United Airlines. They're the biggest operator. And also yeah. ANA, um, also Korean Air, Japan Airlines, Asiana Airlines and Jin Air. They're the only operators of those types. Um, but anyway, so it's been a while since all this happened. These aircraft have been stored for quite some time. But last week, the FAA said that it, it had come to a decision. It had finalised three specific safety directives that would now allow these 777s to return to service. 
Um, so the new directives require enhanced inspections and modifications. Um, so specifically, if you want to know specifically, the first directive, <laughs> of course, the first directive requires that operators install debris shields on the thrust reverser inner wall. I have no idea where that is on the engine, but I might have to go and look it up in a minute. And it's, it's the bit that, yeah, um, no, I'm going to, don't start me. <laughs> If you want to get technical, Tom, be my guest. But uh, I'm just literally reading from the directive here. So they will also need to inspect fan cowl doors for moisture ingression and have repetitive checks of the hydraulic pump shutoff valves. Um, so that's directive hmm. number one. The second directive requires the modification of the engine inlet to withstand possible fan blade failures. Um, so that's quite you know obvious a sort of strengthening issue. Um, to mm. contain any failure that does happen. And then finally, the third directive requires specific corrective actions depending on inspection results. Um, so all three directives are going to come into effect next month. Um, and at the moment, according to um, sources from CH Aviation, there are 56 of these 777s that are stored. Um, they're the 777-200 okay. and the 777-300. As I said earlier, United Airlines is the largest, 19 of its aircraft are in storage. Um, Japan mm. Airlines is the next largest with nine. Korean has four, AMA has three. Other operators have sort of one or two. I should imagine some of those aircraft will not be coming back into service anyway because some of them are fairly old. Um, but United Airlines in particular loves its 777s. You know, they're excellent workforces yeah. and they will be keen to bring those 19 aircraft back to um, operations. So they actually said last week that a number of these effective engines had already had the proposed modifications. So they're literally yeah, waiting for the, the publication of the directives and then they'll be able to get it all ticked off and get those aircraft back in the skies. So I thought it was really positive to hear that um, you know, there's movement on this and that we should see mm. those planes coming back into service soon. Mm. Well, they're not the only um, white bodies that are coming back into service. So I um, had the fun sort of experience, I don't know the way to put it, um, of going to Frankfurt Airport on Friday, which in itself is, sounds like, oh, you've done that again, Tom. Um, <laughs> but you know, have, I, Is there a podcast week that goes by when you haven't been to Frankfurt Airport? I think that would be more notable. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, maybe uh, the coming week, because it sounds like there's going to be no flights with passengers from Frankfurt Airport tomorrow as we record this, but uh, oh, let's catch up on that next week. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, well, I went for a specific reason, and that was because Lufthansa welcomed the A340-600 back to its fleet. So, you know, five of these aircraft are gradually going to come to back to service. Uh, back in November, Lufthansa was telling us that they were hoping um, to fly the plane sort of, I think it was about November, or no, sorry, in January, but obviously we didn't meet that deadline. But um, basically on last Friday, Lufthansa's um, LH418 flight from Frankfurt to Washington took off as it always does. But instead of being operated by an A340-300, as it has been recently, it was operated by Delta Alpha India Hotel Tango, which is one of five A340-600s uh, coming back to the Lufthansa fleet. And if you think about, um, if you're wondering what the difference between the 400 and the uh, 300 and 600 is, the 600 is slightly longer, but it's also the airplane that has the uh, cargo deck toilets, which I know is also always a sort of <laughs> interest uh, puller, um, to say the least. Um, <laughs> it is quite interesting because the plane itself, you know, it um, last flew passengers on March 22nd, 2020. So 
pretty much two years ago. Um, and, you know, it went, it was in Munich until May 2020, where it went out to Terrell, our favorite aircraft storage facility in Spain. Um, it then remained on the ground until November 29th, 2021. And it was ferried to Luca in Malta, which is, um, so where Lufthansa Technic has a big maintenance base. It finally flew to Frankfurt on January 19th, but still didn't enter service as had been planned. Instead, you know, it took a two-hour flight to nowhere last Wednesday and um, returned to service last Friday. So it was awesome to see her return to the skies. According to our friends at CH Aviation, um, she first flew on April 3rd, 2008, and was delivered on April 29th of that year to Lufthansa completed around 52,500 flight hours since new, and that's across roughly 5,700 flight cycles. And the jet's current value is listed at $6.16 million. So um, still not cheap. Um, wow. The remaining aircraft that are due back uh, are Alpha India Hotel India, which last flew to uh, Luca in Malta on February 28th. Um, Alpha India Hotel Papa last flew to Frankfurt, Germany on May 20th, 2020. Um, India Hotel Uniform is in Terrell. It last flew May 26th, 2020. And uh, Alpha India Hotel Victor is now in Munich and last flew February 25th. So um, we're not entirely sure when the other ones are going to come online. Um, and um, definitely excited to see them, though. And they're all planned or... As of November, they were all planned to operate from Munich this summer, mm. but, you know, these things always change. So, mm. Well, I love an A340. I'm really glad to see them coming back, particularly the 600s. So, um, mm. you know, good on Lufthansa. I think they must be one of the biggest quadjet flyers right now. Um, yeah, you know, it, it's disgusting. really interesting because, you know, most carriers, they've got rid of the 340. They've got rid of the... Um, the 747 and they've mm -hmm. kind of kept the 380 but Lufthansa has kind of been like uh no we're gonna do it the other way around <laughs> well I think it's fantastic you know it's a, another chance to fly the 340 which of which there are rare opportunities these days so uh, yeah. long may it continue is all I can say mm. I just wanted to wrap up today, um, still staying firmly away from the Russia issues um, and still actually staying in the Boeing camp. So apologies, Airbus fans, um, but I am going to talk more about Boeing because um, it's been around three quarters of a year since Boeing delivered a 787 Dreamliner. Um, yeah. Now, you know, this is their flag flagship product. It's incredibly popular with passengers and airlines alike. So it's been a bit of a disaster, really. Um, I won't go into all the issues they've had. I think we've talked about it enough on this podcast and there's plenty on uh, simpleflying.com if you want to read the background. Mm. But uh, so the last bit of news we had was that the FAA intends to inspect each and every aircraft when they begin delivering them again. Um, that's a bit of an unusual action on the FAA's part and is obviously going to add to the time it takes to get these aircraft out the door. Um, but over the weekend, it now appears that Boeing is actually preparing to commence these deliveries um, because it's been putting out the feelers with its supply about their capacity to service an output of up to seven 787s by the end of next 
next year. So, of course, you know, Boeing's got a lot of undelivered planes that are already built, but they're kind of sitting in storage, awaiting their final inspection and clearance. Um, but, you know, the situation as it is now is costing the, the manufacturer billions. Um, in mm. its most recent update, it already recorded a, a charge of $3.5 billion due to delivery delays and customer concessions and another $1 billion in abnormal production costs relating to mm. this airplane. Um, so in terms of when they're going to start re-delivering, it had originally flagged April as a possible start date, um, but it's going to be starting very slowly with about about two deliveries a month planned. By the end of the year, they'll be building up to about four, and then they're hoping to do seven by the end of next year. Of course, this is all pending the FAO's okay, and all, none of this is guaranteed, but this is what Boeing is hoping. Um, yeah. Even if the things fall into place on the FAA side, the Dreamliner production faces plenty of challenges on other fronts. Once they've cleared that backlog of undelivered aircraft, um, they need to restart their supply chain. Now, obviously, yeah. they've paused production for such a long time now. It's kind of, you know, it has a knock-on effect right down to the supplier of the very smallest widget. Um, mm. Andrew did some research on this, our, our lead journalist from Australia, and he reckons that the 787 has more than two million individual parts and those oh, wow. parts, you know they come from suppliers all over the world um you know for a start we've got the pandemic which has caused all sorts of trouble with the global supply chain you know there were um delays and and shortages of various materials and parts um, so mm. that's one challenge that needs to be overcome but then of course this has been escalated recently um due to airspace closures and the absence of russian freight airlines from the market so oh, i did yeah. say i wasn't going to talk russia but it's kind of relevant here <laughs> oh no <laughs> So, um, so what's been discovered is that Boeing is already going around asking its providers of various widgets whether they can supply enough widgets to meet the seven planes a month target by the end of mm. next year. Um, but I think, you know, this speaks volumes about where we are in the wide body market that Boeing is looking at seven by the end of next year because pre-pandemic they were churning out 12 a month. Um, so we're still quite a way off that level of production Um and you've got to wonder, you know, is there going to be a balance? You know, people haven't been wanting their Dreamliners because there hasn't been the long haul travel and now it's coming I mean, back. It's, it's yeah. been interesting because when I was in Oslo to revisit a topic from last week's podcast, um, mm -hmm. you know, I think I mentioned it. There was a Norwegian 787 that, you know, obviously Norwegian's not flying anymore, but that's still there waiting to be reclaimed by mm -hmm. the lesser or I assume waiting for a new customer to want it. So yeah. You know, obviously that's only one single plane, but if that's kind of an indicator for the the type, which as a whole it's probably not, um, you mm. know, it does kind of show that they're not ready to get back to full wide bodiness yet. <laughs> no, exactly. Um, exactly. But I think it's kind of a blessing in disguise because with mm. the issues with the supply chain and the issues with the plane itself and the FAA being involved, kind of slowing things down, you know, they couldn't go back to 12 a month for quite some time if they wanted to. So thank mm. goodness the airlines aren't demanding their planes, you know, on time yeah. <laughs> at present. <laughs> 
I'm just keen to see British Airways finally have more than two 737 Maxes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And of course, uh, the, the 78710 what, as well. What am I on? Um, <laughs> 78710 is only what I meant. I don't know where oh. I got 737 Max from. Um, no. They don't fly the 737 Max. Sorry. It's, <laughs> they, it's, they, do have a, they do have a letter of intent, though. So uh, you never know. Yeah. But I don't uh, believe they'll be carrying <laughs> on with that. But we, we will see. We will see. Um, you've just yeah. got maxes on the brain, Tom, because you haven't been on I one have. yet. I have. I well, I, I, I'm sad about that. We need to change that. And <laughs> <laughs> fingers crossed for your flight back to Frankfurt being on a, mm. a seven eight seven. Uh, oh my God, I'm doing it now. Seven three seven max. Um, but anyway, I think you know a bit of positivity from Boeing. They're making mm. noises about the Dreamliner, the triple sevens coming back. We've avoided talking about Russia fairly successfully for an entire podcast, but uh, I do think that's about all we've got time for today. So yeah, we hope I you think enjoyed given it. That, we should <laughs> wrap, up <the laughs> wrap it up before we're uh, drawn into talking any more about Russia. Because I'm uh, going to speak about the Airbus seven eight seven in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode. And as usual, we welcome your feedback at podcast at simpleflying.com. For more great content, you can visit our website at simpleflying.com or find us on social media. Simply search for Simple Flying. If you enjoyed our podcast, please do leave us a rating on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.